Chapter Three of Commentary on Romans by Theodoret of Cyrus. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Having thus checked the pride of the Jew and shown that he boasted in vain in circumcision and in the law and in the name of a Jew, lest any one should suppose that he spoke thus from an angry or hostile feeling, he continues, verse one, what more then had the Jew, or what profit was there in circumcision? if then says he some among heathen and alien nations who were adorned with piety and virtue share in the divine favour to what good did god separate israel from the gentiles and give them the right of circumcision for by the more of the jew he means advantage above the gentiles verse two much in every way for he chose their ancestors he freed them from the dominion of the egyptians he made them the wonder of nations by miracles of all kinds he gave the law for their assistance and set over them his prophets and this is what he means by much in every way while yet omitting the specific enumeration of all these he is content to mention the institution of the law alone chiefly that unto them were committed the oracles of god for this was the highest honour while the other nations possessed only that knowledge which nature gives themselves to have received the gift of the law in addition verse three for what if some did not believe shall their unbelief make the faith of god without effect god forbid well knew the god of all says he from of old both who would keep his law and who would break it they therefore who did not believe by no means invalidated the divine mercies nay for even though all mankind should prove ungrateful towards him this their ingratitude could not diminish the glory of god as he explains in what follows verse four yea let god be true but every man false for granting says he for argument's sake that no soul of man offered to him the praise and honour due but all were infected with ingratitude which is what he means by every man being false what diminution would god's glory suffer from hence and the same thing has the blessed apostle observed in another place for if we believe not says he to timothy two thirteen yet he abideth faithful he cannot deny himself and here he subjoins the testimony of scripture as it is written that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings and mightest overcome when thou judgest the word that here denotes not the reason but the result for we do not therefore sin in order that we may set forth the loving-kindness of god but himself supplies the streams of his mercies to bring salvation to all while men being free agents some prefer the service of god and some walk in the contrary direction and so each find their end correspondent with the path they have chosen but still god's mercies having been extended to them the latter also thus is he fully justified in afterwards judging them by his previous care bestowed on them and thus he himself speaks to israel micah six three o my people what have i done unto thee or how have i grieved thee or wherein have i wearied thee testify against me and then enumerates his blessings one by one in order and thus again in jeremiah chapter two verse five does he cry out what iniquity have your fathers found in me that they are gone far from me and have walked after vanity and are become vain and again subjoins a list of his past kindnesses and here the holy apostle introduces a conclusion in the person of his adversary verse five but if our unrighteousness commend the righteousness of god what shall we say is not god unrighteous who taketh vengeance i speak as a man verse six god forbid 
it was necessary that he should bring forward the objection raised by others and he shows its absurdity by his disavowal of it for not i says he speak thus but have only stated the position of others which is what he means by as a man for then how shall god judge the world verse seven for if the truth of god hath more abounded through my falseness unto his glory why yet am i also judged as a sinner it is one of the most absurd things thus to speak for the sentence of god is just nor can my own unworthiness advance at all the glory arising to god for his kindness for it were the extremest injustice that they who advanced his glory should yet suffer vengeance from him and expect eternal punishment this indeed is what not even the most unjust of men would do how far less he from whom flow the very fountains of righteousness verse eight and not also as we be slanderously reported and as some affirm that we say let us do evil that good may come whose damnation is just none of these things says he we ourselves maintain but are calumniously reported so to speak by others who will suffer the due reward of their calumny for we must know that as the holy apostles had declared that where sin abounded grace did yet more abound some who themselves were zealous in piety yet uttering false accusation against them had published that they had said let us do evil that good may come but not such indeed was the object of the apostolic doctrine for they laid down exactly contrary rules that all should abstain from every iniquity while only exhorting such as came to their thrice holy instructions to be of good cheer in the person vouchsafed by god for past offences and here ceasing from our exposition a while and resting our mind let us laud and magnify him from whose gift it cometh that man hath a mouth to speak withal or remaineth mute and dumb and pray to him that we may fully comprehend the mind of the apostolic doctrines for he assuredly will grant it who hath said ask and it shall be given you seek and ye shall find knock and it shall be opened unto you with whom to the father together with the thrice holy spirit belong glory and majesty both now and for ever unto endless ages amen book two we have already said that the holy apostle was desirous of showing the necessity of the incarnation of our god and saviour jesus christ on which account he began by speaking of those who were strangers to as well as those also who were under the law and convicted the former of having transgressed the natural and the latter the mosaic law and become worthy of the deepest punishment herein does he imitate a skilful physician who first points out to his patients the virulent nature of their disorder and then so offers the assistance of his healing remedies for this he also does having exhibited the sin of both parties and proved them deserving of and obnoxious to punishment he next produces his medicine of faith and sets forth the loving-kindness of the divine dispensation and says verse nine in what then are we better than they for we have proved before both jews and gentiles that they are all under sin verse ten as it is written there is none righteous no not one verse eleven there is none that understandeth there is none that seeketh after god verse twelve they are all gone out of the way they are together become unprofitable there is none that doeth good no not one verse thirteen their throat is an open sepulchre with their tongues have they used deceit the poison of asps is under their lips verse fourteen whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness verse fifteen their feet are swift to shed blood verse sixteen destruction and misery are in their ways verse seventeen and the way of peace they have not known verse eighteen there is no fear of god before their eyes 
In the part above explained, where he was comparing the case of the circumcision with that of the uncircumcision, he subjoined, What more then had the Jew? And here, wishing to show the preeminence of the grace of the gospel, he says, In what then are we better than they? For we have demonstrated that those without the law and those within it have both gone astray, and he adds the testimony of David as exactly adapted to the matter in hand, and he does so as being particularly studious of brevity since otherwise he might have called in all the prophets to the condemnation of the jews who alleged the same and even worse things against them whence he goes on verse nineteen now we know that what things soever the law saith it saith to them who are under the law he words this with the greatest accuracy of expression in that he puts it not concerning those who are under the law but to those who are under the law for it speaks much concerning the Babylonians, and Persians, and Medes, and Egyptians, and many other nations, but nevertheless even these predictions concerning them it addresses to the Jews, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. And again he employs the word that, according to his favourite idiom, or use of it, for the God of all did not therefore bestow laws and send forth his exhortations among men, in order that he might render them obnoxious to punishment, but consulting for their salvation has he done this. Themselves it is who, by pursuing an opposite course, have drawn this vengeance on themselves. Being now about to enter on the privileges of faith, he first demonstrates that all have need of it, and especially, above others, those who boasted in the law. Verse 20, because that by the deeds of the law there shall no flesh be justified in his sight some of the injunctions of the mosaic law agreed with the knowledge of nature such as thou shalt not commit adultery thou shalt do no murder thou shalt not steal thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbour honour thy father and mother and others of this kind for they who had never received the law were yet fully aware that each of these was deserving not only of condemnation but of punishment likewise and some again the lawgiver imposed on the jews as suitable to them for the present time only such i mean as circumcision and the sabbath and sacrifices and sprinklings and the rites respecting the leper and the seminally unclean and such like which are the symbols of other things and when fulfilled are not in themselves sufficient to make the doer just wherefore the holy apostle says therefore by the works of the law there shall no flesh be justified in his sight and then lest any one should suppose that he was passing a censure on the law he adds for by the law is the knowledge of sin the law says he has given to man a more accurate discrimination of sin and made the condemnation lying on it the heavier but for the establishment of virtue it is not competent to be sufficient for men having thus shown that the law was only the teacher of good he proceeds to exhibit the power of grace verse twenty one but now the righteousness of god without the law is manifested being witnessed by the law and the prophets who can sufficiently admire the power of the apostle's wisdom who shows at once that the law had come to an end and that it consented to the covenant of grace and aptly does he say manifested for it has now laid clearly before all the hidden mystery of the dispensation while in this comparison between grace and the law by proving that both the law and the prophets were witnesses to the former he exhibits the greatness of its conquest over the latter verse twenty two even the righteousness of god which is by faith of jesus christ unto all and upon all that believe what had been before put down is here repeated that what was wanting might be added for 
having said the righteousness of God is manifested, and then interrupted the sentence to speak of its character, it was necessary that he should resume the phrase again and show that it was by faith in the Lord Christ that all who desired to do so enjoyed it, whether Jews or Greeks. The unto all refers to the Jews, and the unto all refers to the Jews, the upon all to the nations, and this he goes on to set forth more clearly, for there is no difference. Verse 23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. He briefly shows that all are guilty and need the covenant of grace. Verse 24, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. For by bringing faith alone we have received remission of our sins, in that the Lord Christ has offered up his own body for us to be, as it were, the price of redemption. Verse 25, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiatory through faith in his blood. The propitiatory was a golden plate which lay over the ark, having at either end the figure of a cherub, Exodus 25, and from thence the mercy of God was manifested to the high priest in his ministrations. The holy apostle here then teaches that the Lord Christ was the true propitiatory, for that ancient one was but a type of this. This name, however, is applied to him as man and not as God, for as God he himself speaks from the propitiatory, while as man he receives this appellation even as others, such as sheep and lamb and sin and curse and the like. See John one twenty nine and thirty six, Acts eight thirty two, two Corinthians five twenty one, Galatians three thirteen, and the ancient propitiatory was bloodless in itself, inasmuch as it was also inanimate and received only the sprinklings of the blood of the victims. But the Lord is God and propitiatory and high priest and lamb, arid in his own blood, hath worked out our salvation, demanding faith only from us to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past, verse 25, through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say, at this time his righteousness. God has both exhibited his own mercy in so long bearing with sinners, and has manifest his righteousness to all men, for that it was not without any further view that he thus bore with sinners, but as preparing for them this means of salvation, the next sentence shows, that he might be just and the justifier of him that believeth in Jesus. For both these things should we learn from hence, that the God of all has ordered his dispensations concerning ourselves with justice, equally as with mercy, and that whosoever believes in the Lord Christ is made partaker of the righteousness which is by faith. Thus briefly having stated the free gifts conferred by the covenant of grace, he returns to his discourse respecting the law and shows that it yielded the victory to grace. Verse 27, where is boasting then? This must be read interrogatively, and then comes the answer, it is excluded. He says not destroyed, but excluded, that is, has no longer any place. By boasting he means the haughty self-esteem of the Jews who exalted themselves as the only possessors of God's favour. While now divine grace having appeared abroad and been shed among all nations, this arrogance had been put out of the question in that God had given to man a short and easy means of salvation in faith, for this the apostle continues to show forth in the following sentences also, by what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. He calls faith here a law, not from inconsideration, but as recollecting the prophecy of Jeremiah, chapter 31, verses 31 and 32, for in those days saith the Lord, and at that time I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers. 
if then the mosaic law is thus styled a covenant and the new covenant again bears also the same name and faith in christ be the law it enacts in strict accordance with the phraseology of the prophet does the holy apostle here apply the name of law to faith and then he subjoins the conclusion concerning faith verse twenty eight we conclude therefore that a man is justified by faith without the works of the law by law here he means that of moses but at the same time he says not we conclude that by faith a jew is justified but a man the common name of the whole human race as he goes on to reason verse twenty nine is he the god of jews only is he not also of the gentiles yes of the gentiles also and then as a position which cannot be disputed he confirms it by the assertion verse thirty seeing that it is one god which shall justify the circumcision by faith and the uncircumcision through faith it is one god who is the god of all one who is the maker of all nor is it possible that he should be careful for some and leave others uncared for wherefore he extends his salvation to all that believe by circumcision he means the jews by uncircumcision the gentiles and he next resolves the objection which might be raised verse thirty one do we then make void the law through faith god forbid yea we establish the law for of old both the law and the prophets prophesied of the things concerning the faith and in receiving therefore the faith we confirm the law he then brings forward evidences of all this and while having it in his power to adduce a vast variety of testimonies from the prophets prefers going at once to the very root of the jews and demonstrates that the righteousness of the patriarch abraham himself was that which is of faith end of chapter three